We're here. The turkey's been consumed. The Black Friday sales have probably been purchased by now. And we are now officially, and maybe you've been already listening to Christmas music since Halloween, but we're officially in the Christmas season. And it's the season that people say is the most wonderful time of the year. Thank you for filling in the blank. Absolutely, right? It's a season of joy, a season of cookies and presents and lights, a season of family and friends, a season where good triumphs over evil, right? In fact, most people, at least in our culture, in our country, look at the Christmas season as this magical season of of hope and and good tidings and, and good things now and into the new year. But is that really Christmas? Or have we been sold an illusion? I think for most of us who have at least a few years under our belt, we live in the real world and we know that even the best Christmases ever still had their hiccups and their problems and their struggles and their issues. All right, for, for some, sometimes it's Christmas spent without that loved one. Maybe it's a deployment. Maybe it's simply because you live here and family lives hundreds, if not thousands of miles away elsewhere, and you are not going to get to them and they're not going to get to you. And so it's going to be Christmas without that special someone. Right, sometimes th- those gifts that you thought were the perfect gift for, for that child or that spouse or that friend, within a week they sit on a shelf unused or maybe they're in a pile on the floor broken or you have to take it back to the store or you simply sweep it up and you threw it in the garbage because it didn't really pan out the way you thought. Sometimes, maybe you do even get together with a family, but but she said something or he, he did something, and instead of warm fuzzies on Christmas, World War III breaks out in disagreement. And sometimes you burn the cookies, and sometimes that, that strained relationship didn't get fixed because it doesn't care if it's Christmas or not. And you know what the experts say about this time of year? They don't say it's the most wonderful time of the year. Experts in the mental health field say that this time of year is actually really bad. Depression and anxiety usually go up. Suicide rates go up. Stress levels, anxiety levels are all going through the charts as we we pack so many things into our schedule. Most wonderful time of the year? Sounds nice. Sometimes it is, but, but if you've lived any time in the real world, you know that Christmas in real life is not always what it, you see on a Hallmark card. And so that's why over the next four weeks, we're going to look at Christmas in real life. Because the kind of Christmas our culture portrays, the kind of Christmas we wish we could always have, has nothing to do with the kind of Christmas that took place in the Bible. 
And so over the next four weeks and the next four messages starting today, we want to look at four big words that oftentimes we misunderstand and misuse, especially this time of year. And so my goal is to give you what God wants to give you the most this Christmas season. He wants to give you real hope, real joy, real meaning, and real and lasting peace. And so that's where we're headed over the next four weeks. And today we're starting off with our first word, hope. And this week I came across an interesting article written by a doctor about hope, about this topic of hope. And and this is what he said. He said, if I could find a way to package and dispense hope, I would have a pill more powerful than any antidepressant on the market. Hope is often the only thing between man and the abyss. As long as a patient, individual, or victim has hope, they can recover from anything and everything. I think this doc has a very good point. Because hope is such a powerful thing. Right? Hope can change one's mindset. It can change one's trajectory in their life. That's how powerful hope is. Right? Because hope at its root is the belief that tomorrow can be better than today. That next week can be better than this week. That, that this, whatever this is in your life, will not last forever. You will get through it. That's hope. Right, maybe right now for some of you, it's some family drama. Maybe you're not seeing eye to eye with your spouse or your kids or your grandkids or your parents. And there's been some tension. Maybe some of you, it's chronic pain. And every morning you get out of bed, every day you get up from that chair, you are reminded of the years on your, and the candles and your birthday cake is with every step you ache. Maybe it's a disagreement with a coworker or your neighbor. Maybe things aren't going so well with somebody here at church. You know what hope says? Hope says, okay, that might be a difficult situation. I might be struggling today. My life might be a complete train wreck and so messy, but it doesn't have to last and it won't last. That's hope. If you're having that, that beef with somebody in your family, right? You know what hope says? Hope says, okay, and maybe you even had the fight in the car as you walked before you got here today, and hope says it's not going to last forever. Okay, that happened. We're struggling, but we, we can change. We can own our part of it. We can, we can say, I'm sorry. We can say, I forgive you, and tomorrow can be better than today. Or maybe you gave into that sin again. You know, the, the one that you said you weren't going to do again? Maybe it was drinking too much over this holiday weekend. Maybe it was a hurtful word that you let slide off your tongue at the Thanksgiving table itself, and, and now there's, there's tension. 
Maybe it was your pride. Maybe it was your self-centeredness thing. Well, it's got to be my way. Maybe it was just the thoughts that you had and, and you want to fight that. Maybe it was your depression. Maybe it was your anxiety. Whatever it is, hope says it will not last. Hope is what helps addicts get sober. Hope is what comes in a marriage when it seemed like all was lost, but, but God helps them to love and to forgive and to restore that relationship. Hope is what happens when, when that person carries around the baggage and guilt of past sins, and Jesus says, give it to me, you're set free. That's hope. And hope is an extremely powerful thing. And if you have it, I think the doctor's right. You can get through anything and everything. But here's one thing I think you need to understand about hope. Because the way we use the word hope in, in our culture and in our everyday vocabulary, and the way the Bible uses the word hope, it's completely different. Right? Hope is not this wishy-washy, I hope it doesn't rain kind of tomorrow, but you have no control and you have no idea what's going to happen. Hope is not, I hope my team wins the big game today, because you don't control that either. You don't know. Hope is not, I hope that, that, that nothing bad happens this Christmas, because it may or may not. Right? Hope doesn't downplay the reality of real life. Hope doesn't sweep the, the bad stuff under the rug as if it doesn't exist and just, hey, just have some hope and be happy and joyful and merry because it's Christmas. Right? Hope isn't based on, on a feeling. It's not based on the circumstances of your life. Hope doesn't try to cliche the pain away with good vibes and, and good thoughts. That's not hope. No, hope is grounded and centered on a person. Hope is found in our God alone. And that's why, if you want to do this this week, go ahead and do it, but, but just, just go into a Bible app and type in the word hope, and it comes up all over the place in the Bible. All right, there's different places we can look to, right? Blessed are those who hope, whose hope is in the Lord, comes to mind. But, but for our purposes today, we want to take a closer look at the book of Isaiah. And in just a minute, we're going to get to the beginning because Isaiah 41 through 10 or 11 is kind of a traditional reading this time of year, but I thought we need to start at the end of the book first. And this is what Isaiah says. But those who hope in the Lord will renew their strength. They will soar on wings like eagles. They will run and not grow weary. They will walk and not be faint. Hope. Not some wishful thinking, not some pie in the sky, but a certainty that, that we will soar, we will run, we will not grow weary. Why? Because hope's not a thought. It's not simply a feeling. Hope in the Bible is always connected to a person. Those who hope in the Lord. So, to really get a, a good feel of what's happening here in the book of Isaiah, we need to understand what the first recipients who heard these words were going through. Because as they looked out their window, as they looked at their lives, it wasn't merry and bright, it wasn't a magical season of dreams come true, it was a nightmare. 
The economy had tanked in ancient Israel. They were jobless, and now many of them were homeless. They were hungry, and they were scared, because you know what was already starting to happen? Foreign nations were starting to come and attack them. People were dying. Villages were being burned to the ground. Hope? They didn't have any. Especially as you look at it from a worldly perspective, what hope did they have? They were facing annihilation as a country. That's when God had Isaiah pen these words. And maybe worst of all was the fact that a lot of this was happening and it was their own fault. God had called out to them again and again and again, come back to me, I will forgive you, repent, stop worshiping other gods, stop, stop focusing on yourself, come back to me and I will forgive you. And you know what they said to God? Nope. We don't want to. We're going to live our way. We're going to do what we want, what we think's best. And so what did the God's people do? Instead of trusting in God, they trusted in themselves. Instead of worshiping the true God, you know what they worshiped? We heard about this in our sermon series called Hidden Gods a few months back. They worshiped other gods. Instead of trusting in the God of heaven and earth, they put their trust in politics and in their military might and in the alliances they made, thinking that these things will save our nation, even though God said, don't trust in man, trust in me and I'll save you. No, God, we'll take matters into our own hands. And so a lot of what was happening in this hopeless situation was really their own fault. Because they refused to get honest and real about the wreckage of sin in their life. And isn't that how sin works, even in our lives? Right? Sin is what the Bible says separates us from a holy God. So think of sin as this big wedge that gets put in between us and, and a holy God. Sin is what often blinds us to the truth. And so instead of the truth of God's word, we, we come up with our own truth. Right? Sin is what, what destroys all kinds of things in this life, including our own. Right? A careless word spoken can blow up a relationship for years. Uh, reckless words and actions can, can cause tension in families for generations to come. Sin is what causes us to do it our way instead of his. Sin is what puffs us up with pride, thinking, well, we've got it all figured out, and, and those are the people that need changing. Sin is what leads us down paths of, of so many other things that it can get real dark. And when that happens, just like God's people, we can look at our own lives and, and see some hopelessness. Will that relationship ever get fixed? Will I ever stop being so anxious or depressed? Will I ever work it out with with my kid who's grown now and is not talking to me much lately. 
Will I ever see eye to eye with that person at work or, or that individual at church? And we often look at our own lives and, and we realize, like, maybe we won't. Maybe this will continue on forever. You know, one of the things I've often realized in my own life, and as I counsel other people, I kind of describe it this way. Whenever you're going through something in your life, and whatever that thing is, I don't think it matters because it's the same pattern, right? It's almost like we're on the, this spinning cycle, right? He does this, she does that, they do this, we do that, and it's like we can't get off this roller coaster ride that's spinning. And it's true. Sometimes it feels like it keeps spinning out of control and, and we're helpless and hopeless to stop it. But that's when God comes to us like he came to his people who are in a hopeless situation and he says this. Beginning of verse 40, he says, Comfort, comfort my people, says your God. Speak tenderly to Jerusalem and proclaim to her that her hard service has been completed, that her sin has been paid for that she has received from the Lord's hand double for all her sins. Just imagine this for a moment, right? Here's Isaiah, and he looks out his window, and he sees the destruction of even his own country, and he sees what sin and rebellion had done in his life and in the life of God's people, and God comes to him and says, I want you to speak a message of comfort. Are you sure, God? Because I, I'm not seeing good things here. It looks like this world is spinning out of control. I mean, what in the world could Isaiah say to a people who are faced with destruction? What in the world could Isaiah say to people who had already maybe lost their, their loved one in battle or lost their loved one as these foreign armies were burning their cities to the ground? What could Isaiah say to a people who looked out their windows too and saw a hopeless, helpless situation and it was just a matter of time and they were going to crumble too? What could Isaiah say to a people that were actually swallowing the bitter pill of their own medicine because of the rebellion against God? I mean, really? What, what, what could Isaiah say to them that would help? What could Isaiah say to you? As you look at your own lives and look at the own, your own troubles and heartaches and destruction and sin and, and hopelessness and helplessness that you sometimes feel, what could Isaiah say to you? When maybe it seems like your world is spinning out of control. This. God says, Isaiah, you tell him this. Tell them I love them. Tell them that I have not forgotten about them. Tell them that they are still my people and I will save them. Right, Isaiah, you've got to tell them. Tell them that even though they have been unfaithful to me, I will not be unfaithful to them. You've got to tell them that, that, that even though they have wandered from me, I am going to continue to pursue them. Tell them all is not lost. Tell them that the Savior that I have been promising to send, I will send. And those sins that they have committed against me, not will be forgiven, but sin has been paid for. Their sin, it's gone. I say you've got to tell them that. 
And that is the same message this Christmas season that God speaks to you. No matter what you're going through in life, maybe you're in a good place and praise God for that. Maybe you feel a little bit helpless in whatever situation you're in. But God comes to you to give you hope. Real hope. Lasting hope. Hope that came on that first Christmas. Hope that was wrapped up and swaddled and placed in a manger. Hope that that came not just to be born, but came to die. So that our sin would be paid for forever. And hope that, that came to seek out the lost and the hurting. Hope that came for the righteous and the unrighteous. Hope that came for the anxious and the oppressed. Hope that came for the struggling. Hope that came into the dysfunction and sin of this world, your world and my world, not to destroy it, not to condemn it, but to redeem it and save it. Hope that was born on that first Christmas to shine the light of God's love on a world that did not deserve it, that could do nothing to earn it, but but he came anyway because he wanted to save it. Because of his love. Hope that reminds you and me today that no one's too far gone for this message. If God's people weren't, who basically turned their backs on God and God still said, I'm going to love you, forgive you, and send my son, nobody that you know is too far gone. Nobody is beyond the grace and hope of God found in Jesus. Nobody. Because God came for all to give us real hope. So you know what that means? It means you don't have to pretend anymore. It means you don't have to put on a mask and a fake smile if things aren't going so well in your life. You don't have to hide it because God already knows. He knows the pain, the struggle, and yes, even our sins, and he chooses to stay anyway. God knows everything that you've been through, and you know what he does? He chooses to forgive because God is love. That's why he came in the first place. And so even if your life is a complete mess right now, even if you're struggling, even if you're hurting, even if you're anxious, even if you're you're worried, even if you're depressed, God has come to give you hope. Real hope. Not some I wish or I hope this happens or that happens, but a certain hope. Because hope, it's not just wishful thinking. It's not just good vibes. Hope is a person. And his name is Jesus Christ. And he's come. I think Dr. Archer hit it it out of the park on his quote. Hope is a powerful, powerful thing. Right? Hope is what turns victims into victors, captors into free people. Hope is what takes the, the depressed and the anxious and gives them joy and peace and real hope. And that's the hope that you have in Jesus. It's yours. Not might be, not will be, 
And it's not based on whether you feel it or not because hope is not a feeling. Hope is attached and connected to Christ, who is a reality. That hope is yours, friends. No matter what you're dealing with, there is no such thing as a hopeless situation for those who are in Jesus Christ. It doesn't exist. Because in Jesus, with Jesus, and because of Jesus, you will. Not can, not might, not maybe, not I hope so, the way we use the word hope, but you will get through anything and everything now and forever because of the child born for you. That's the hope of the season, and that's the hope that is yours. Amen.